This is The Instigators, presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. We are going to Oh, Marty, the Hockey Ops Department has worked overtime this year. When you consider there have been 37 players dressed for the Sabres through the All-Star break, and Rochester's had 41 guys on their roster throughout the course of this year, that means constant change. But with it comes opportunity. And isn't it something within our game when you see someone take hold of that opportunity like we've seen with Rochester's Brandon Byro this year 22 points in his last 18 games and at the time of this recording tied for sixth in rookie scoring in the AHL it is pretty impressive and you you said it right we talked about Jack Quinn JJ Paterka Peyton Krebs Matias Samuelson Ukopeka Lukin and it's like oh look at all these prospects from Rochester well, there's other prospects and guys that need to step up when they have the opportunity. When everybody's there, maybe you don't get as much ice time, but then all of a sudden you see guys getting called up. You say, that could be me. I'm going to show them what I can do. And Brendan Byro has taken that attitude and, and that, men, uh, that, that mentality to, uh, to the ice. And he's performed well, and he's a prospect that we need to keep paying attention to. And when you're serious about the game, bet on Buffalo at the only sports books in Western New York. Seneca Resorts and Casinos sports betting counters are open daily and self-service betting kiosks are available 24-7 at all three locations. So whether you visit Seneca Niagara, Allegheny, or Buffalo Creek, the Sports Lounge features the latest lines and multiple screens so you never miss a play. The sports book at Seneca Resorts and Casinos where the love of the game meets the thrill of the win. What has led to the hot streak? Brandon, it has been terrific to see the production of late. How are things going? Uh, things have been going, going pretty well for myself personally. Obviously, from a team standpoint, we haven't been winning as much. We've had some of our, our key players, I guess, called up to the NHL or, or been injured down here, unfortunately. But uh, it's obviously opened the doors a little bit for, for, for some guys like myself to maybe play a little bit more, get a little bit more opportunity. And I think you've been... been going pretty well i love the answer usually guys would say oh i've got great teammates you know it's going well i got great teammates no, but but have you changed your teammates is there a reason why the offense is clicking in a little bit now maybe different wingers different uh, you know chemistry what uh, has there been a change in that way yeah i think so i think the uh, last i don't know a couple weeks or so been having a little bit more consistently with line mates been playing with uh paterka and, and wise back and i think mm -hmm. You know, we, we all play pretty similar styles. I think we're all pretty quick players, like to have the puck on our stick, like to make plays. And I think we we really, you know, fed off that as a line. And I think the offensive numbers have, have kind of be, been because we, we've had the puck a lot. I think we've been pretty dangerous, you know, most nights. So uh, having a little bit of continuity with who you're playing with definitely, you know, helps out a lot, especially when you got, you know, some great players like Paterka and, and Weisbeck. All right. I feel like we have done this with literally every Sabres prospect at forward <laughs> the last number of years. Do you prefer center or the wing? I, I actually like center. I, I had never played center really in my, in my life until I got, I guess, to Rochester here. And I guess been playing it the last two years and starting to, starting to grow on me. I think face off still a little bit of a struggle. I'm not going to lie there. Pretend <laughs> like they're good, but uh, I, I've actually been liking center. I feel like you're on the puck a lot and, and kind of getting more used to it. Now, okay, you have a great, great uh, retired sentiment that you can talk to in Kevin Adams, the general manager in Buffalo. 
And years ago, when we were at the Academy of Hockey in, in Buffalo here, um, he used he had a video out. I'll have to find the video. Maybe it's on YouTube somewhere. And Kevin would be talking about owning the dot, really getting over that face-off dot. Get your head in the way. Like, are you uh, one that likes to crowd the dot, or you like to finesse your way out of draws? Like, and if you had to talk with Kevin, would you would you like to follow his advice, or would you say, "And eh, the game's changed a little bit"? Um, I mean, I haven't really talked to Kevin much about that, but I'm sure he's got some pretty good advice. Uh, it's been been talking a little bit with Michael Pekka down here. Oh yeah, yeah, he's pretty good too. Yeah, I was gonna say he wasn't a bad centerman, that's for sure. So, yeah, they they use the same terms like on the dot. Yeah, I I definitely say I try to uh, try to win it with quickness because I'm not the strongest guy. So going strength on strength with some of the the bigger centermen in our league is is not something where I find much success. So uh, definitely someone who I guess kind of both, I guess, own the dot, but also kind of finesse my way, you know, to win it quick. Uh, my advice would be to line up against Webby in practice on those face-offs <laughs> to boost the confidence. And, uh, poor Seth. And poor As Seth. a goalie, he <laughs> may not have won many face-offs. <laughs> uh, I'm fascinated by the fact that, you know, you, you, you're really honing your craft at center just now and that it hasn't been a, a regular thing for you over the years. But when we dive into those years and years and years ago, I couldn't help but notice on elite prospects that it says in your, I'm assuming, hometown of Sherwood Park, uh, one of the first teams you played for was the Sherwood Park Sabres. Is that yeah. correct? Okay, yeah, so, way back. So what color, what was their jersey? Was it the goat head style or was it the blue, like the traditional Sabres look we have now? No, I mean, neither. Honestly, it was just <laughs> the organization was called the Shred Park Kings. And, and I guess our team name, we just got the Sabres. So we had a king, like a king logo, like a crown okay. on our jersey had honestly nothing to do with the Sabres. That was just the name of the team. I think it was one of those where you get to vote for a team name as as a team. And we were probably 10 years old or 11. And I think that's what that's what the vote went to. I want to go back to like when you were playing in Alberta, um, because here in Buffalo or in Rochester and Western New York, I mean, you don't have to drive too far. You drive an hour or two. You're in Syracuse. You're in Albany a few hours. You're in Pittsburgh. You're in, you know, in, in Toronto, Ontario. You get to play hockey with, with a lot of high level right around you. What was it like for you in Alberta? Did you have to go six, seven hours one way or the other way? We hear all these stories before. No, no, not at all. My travel was actually was great. There's, you know, Edmonton's probably 15 minutes, maybe 30 minutes from my house. Growing up in minor hockey, there was probably, I don't know, four or five teams in Edmonton in our league. We played in another place called St. Albert. It was maybe 30 minutes away. So you had, you know, eight, nine teams within 30 minutes of you. So didn't have to really do any, any crazy long road trips. But, what about in juniors when you were in the AJ? Was that was that a little different there in the Alberta Junior Hockey League? Honestly, not not crazy. Travel was was pretty good. We probably only stayed overnight, maybe two or three times a year. We, you know, I lived at home in junior. I didn't have to bill it or anything. Played in a team. Oh about wow! 40, yeah, played about forty five minutes from my house. So you know, it was just easier for me to stay at home, not have to change high schools or anything. And you know, we, we pretty much would hop on the bus, drive two hours and then go home right after. So we didn't really have to stay overnight, which is something that's nice about the AJ versus I guess, the WHL or, or some of the yeah. major junior leagues. Where uh, the stayovers would have been when you went extreme South. Yeah, we'd, we'd go down South, you know, to Brooks. Yeah. Once a year we'd play Brooks and I guess like some Calgary teams. So we'd usually yeah. stay over and play each of those teams once. But I think we only played each South team 
once at home and once on the road per year. So we only went there once and then, yeah. And then, so you're, you're a Sherwood park guy though, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. And so for people that don't know the Edmonton landscape, you got Sherwood park, St. Albert and Spruce Grove are kind of the, you know, perimeter suburbs, if you will. How did you end up in Spruce Grove and not Sherwood park when it came to the AJHL? Uh, well, Spruce Grove had a pretty good track record of moving players onto the NCAA. And that's, that was my goal. Um, I think pretty much in the Alberta Junior League, I think in the last 10 or 11 years, only two teams have won the league. I think Spruce Grove's won, I think, five, and Brooks has won five. Mm-hmm. So to go to you know a team like Spruce Grove and have the option to, to play there and uh, have team success as well as, as they've had, like I said, a good track record of moving guys onto the NCAA, I felt like that was a good spot for me to be if I wanted to continue playing past, past juniors. So that's that's why I ended up there and had a great coach great experience and you know we won the league my first year so it was definitely the right decision you end up at Penn State um how many schools recruited you because it's always a feather in your cap right oh I was recruited by 10 schools five schools uh some was like it was only one but that's the one I wanted how did the process for you end up working and then the decision to go to Penn State um I, I talked to a lot of schools. I had pretty, I don't know an exact number about how many, I guess, offers I had, but I definitely had, you know, my choice of, of a couple of schools that I thought were, were going to be pretty good options, but uh, decided on Penn State, I was able to go there on a, on a fly down and, you know, we got to tour the facility, got to see a game and they were a newer program. So I kind of looked at their roster and, and thought I would have a chance to maybe go in there and play right away. I didn't want to go somewhere where I'd go in and be kind of buried behind, you know, a lot of I guess, first round talent and stuff where yep. being an undrafted guy, wasn't going to get opportunities. So Penn state was, was a good, uh, I guess the best opportunity, I think for myself, you know, they had, you know, great amenities there. We had access to the rink all the time in the summers, they would keep the ice in. So didn't have to worry about, you know, being off the ice for extended periods of time. So I thought for, you know, opportunity as well as, you know, development, I thought, you know, Penn state had pretty much everything that, that I, I was looking for in a school. Brandon, did it feel at any point when you were at Penn State that the program, because of the name on the arena, has a connection to the Sabres? Um, I think, obviously, I knew there was a connection you know, every every preseason. I think pretty much the Sabres would, would play at our rink mm-hmm. uh, in, in that preseason. But, uh, I mean, it didn't really affect much for me day to day when I was there, it's just, I think everyone just knew obviously yeah. that, that he owned the Sabres and the bills and everything. He was well-connected in sports, but I think I kind of knew, you know, that he, he puts a lot of time and effort into and money into the programs that he, you know, he owns. So uh, I felt like he'd be in good hands at uh, Penn state. So what led you to Buffalo then post college? Um, I just, I thought it was a, a good opportunity with a, I guess, kind of, I guess, turnover and, you know, they needed some younger guys to come in and, and try to build a core here. And I was really excited about the direction that the team was was moving in and, you know, felt when I signed that, you know, I could hopefully be a part of that at some points moving forward. So I thought it, it was a, a good opportunity for me. Now, it, it, the college free agent process is really different than the draft process, as you mentioned. So you play all four years at Penn State. At any moment in those four years, was there teams that were like, okay, we'd like to sign you maybe after your junior year, or were you always thinking I'm going to play all four years. Then in the fourth year, you were the captain. Like how did that process lead you to a, a, a contract? 
Um, I didn't really have any offers before my, my senior year. So it was pretty easy for me to, to go all four years. Um, I think it was good for my development. You know, we had a, probably our best team my senior year. So, you know, individually had a lot of success because the team was, was really good around me. And so, yeah, it was, it was kind of a, a no-brainer, I guess, for me, because I didn't really have an opportunity to leave early that I was going to be there for all four years. So that's... Was uh, there any of your teammates that left early? I, I'm curious because you hear of these players in college that leave early and then some of their teammates are like, man, like we built something and then you're gone after your junior year, after your sophomore year. And that happens with, you know, draft picks sometimes, but, but players that you've built a chemistry and a relationship with, uh, would it have been hard to see some of those teammates leave maybe earlier than, uh, than when you guys graduated? Yeah, I was, I was pretty lucky. Um, pretty much no one signed early during my uh, four years there, but my fourth year, we had a pretty big senior class. I think we had maybe 10 or 11 guys in our class. And then the junior class below us was, was really good too. We had some, some good draft picks there. So kind of at the end when COVID happened, we had, you know, 10 or 11 guys graduating. And then I think two guys signed early from our junior year, because I think a lot of our, our core was leaving. So yeah, uh, they decided to, to sign too, but you know, I was, I was fortunate. And I think that's why we had a really good team. Our fourth year is that no one left early and, and we were all able to, you know, play the, those four years together. You mentioned COVID. How did it end for you guys? <laughs> oh, like, it was, yeah, it was pretty brutal. Honestly, we, we won the regular season. And so we had a first round by the playoffs and our actually last weekend of the regular season, we also had a buy. So we pretty much practiced the bye weekend end of the year. And then we practiced for a whole bye weekend of playoffs. And then we're three quarters away through the next rink or next week, you know, ready to play our first playoff game and everything got shut down. And it was obviously, you know, pretty devastating. Like I said, we, we had a great team. We, we won our conference. So uh, we were, we were ready to make a good playoff run, but obviously that got unfortunately cut, cut short. Yeah. Wow. What's your favorite non hockey memory from your time at Penn State favorite non-hockey memory I'd probably say I guess any of the football whiteout games they were always night games so you could go and I guess tailgate with with your old your teammates and your buddies you know all day I get to go to the games 110,000 people at the stadium so you know those days those days were a blast I'll say that <laughs> uh, okay so I didn't get to play college but I'm learning about the college experience when I was with the Flyers we had training camp at West Point where Army plays. And I remember going into the gym and all the football records from bench press and squat and deadlift is there and then lacrosse and then wrestling. And actually the wrestling team was working out the same time we were. I was embarrassed to say, hey guys, here I am, professional hockey players, been for 10 years and I'm watching the wrestling team work out. Did you guys have the same kind of camaraderie with all the teams and when you got into the gym could you see all of the records around even for the hockey guys um in our gym we're lucky we had our since it was a new rank the year before i got there we had our own gym that only our team and the women's hockey team had access to so we okay. didn't have to share any gyms but i know a, there's a couple of facilities where a bunch of teams use those and their records are up there and you know if we'd go through and, and look at those records you know you kind of just you know, turn your head away. Like those numbers are a little, <laughs> a little better than mine. That's for sure. But yeah, some of those numbers are crazy going into some of the football gyms and stuff. You walk in there, you got 30, you know, squat racks everywhere. And you look at the numbers and the squats and deadlifts, you know, even, even the speed, like, so, oh, you know, they have the 40 yard dash and you're thinking, 
I could beat this 300 pound guy and, and they no. still go faster than us. No, no chance. Yeah. That's why <laughs> hockey was the right sport for us. Some of those guys are, are freak athletes. There's no chance. A guy like me making a sport like that. Yeah. The gym is ridiculous, Marty, at the Pagula Ice Arena. We, that's where we always, when we go, would go down for those Sabres preseason yeah. games, we would always conduct the post-game media interviews in there. And you're just like, you're absolutely in awe of the facility. It's, it's so cool. Um, did your family visit you much while you were there? Um, usually once, maybe twice a year. Uh, mm -hmm. My parents are, are teachers, so you know, they obviously work Monday to Friday, so it's pretty tough for them to, to get down. Obviously, like State College is not the easiest airport to fly into. It's, it's usually only like, when you're on the charter, Brandon. Only <laughs> right. when you're on the exactly. I miss those days for sure. But yes, yeah, pretty tough for my parents to get in. We only play Friday, Saturday, so they'd miss the Friday game if they were able to come most of the time. So sometimes they take Friday off of work, leave Thursday, come up. But it was maybe once, maybe twice a year. So did, well, your, bro I think did your brother did your brother yeah. come down though and visit? No, and he was he, he didn't get a chance to no. So, yeah. but now he's at Colorado College, right? Right. Yeah. So he kind of followed the same road I did, played for the same junior team that I did, you know, won a championship there with them like I did. And then now he's at Colorado College and, you know, he loves it there. So unfortunately he wasn't able to, to visit me ever because of the schedule, obviously in junior, but yeah. uh, you know, he's, he's, you know, doing all right for himself. That's for sure. Oh, I have a couple of questions. One, I remember my, my parents were not teachers, but man, do they ever stress the importance of schools and grades? And I couldn't miss school like for a tournament. And it was, I had to really push my mom to let us go on a Friday to play games. Anyway. Um, how was that for you? Like, obviously you went to Penn state. You're probably a smart kid. You had good grades, but was it school one? hockey and other sports too or and when did that change a little bit ah uh, yeah or I it still think, hasn't changed maybe yeah <laughs> no i definitely think school was always was always right up there you know with hockey i think i think my parents definitely had to push my brother i'd say a little bit more to to take care of his school i was usually or at least i'd like to think anyways i the more responsible one out of the two I'm sure my brother would tell you different but they definitely <laughs> would uh they definitely would make sure we're getting our school done or else, you know, no hockey for us. That's for sure. And my other what, question is, so there's what, a couple of years between you and your brother. Uh, if I, you're a 98, he's a what, 2000? 2000, yeah. Okay. So there was three years between my brother and I, and I remember just beating the crap out of him playing mini hockey and street hockey or backyard hockey or whatnot. And then he got bigger than me. And then I just quickly learned that I needed to shut up or he would beat me up as well. What was the dynamic between you and your brother? And was that competitiveness that maybe you guys build between the two of you separate you and were able to give you that competitive nature at the college and pro level? Yeah, we were definitely really competitive, you know, playing mini sticks or, or street hockey or just video games downstairs. I would definitely say my, like my brother was always a little bit smaller growing up and I'd say he learned to, I guess, cheat or play dirty. I'd say always <laughs> growing up, I'd you know, always try to take it easy because he was smaller than me, but we're playing mini sticks. He would not be afraid to throw a slash on the fingers or you know, like blatant too. Like my parents would sometimes get mad. Like they could clearly see he was hacking me on the, on the hands or something like that. So, you know, I try to be nice to him. He'd play dirty and then, you know, we'd get in a pretty good scrap, but I'd, I'd say we were, we were pretty competitive growing up. The competitiveness yeah, has been very much uh, on display here. Um, and, and, and I wonder what it's like being in your 
in your position, you, you, you come out of college, you're on a two-year entry-level contract, so now you're in the second and final year of that, meaning, as you always do as a pro, you've got a lot to prove. But whether you're fully aware of this or not, Brandon, like I think there's definitely a lot of Sabre fans who are finding out here in the last month, like, wow, what's this Brandon Byro all about? Like, th- he's posting really good numbers. And, and so does it has it trickled down to you? Do you feel that you you know, are even more of a prospect. I think, you know, in, we always believe in ourselves, but has, have things changed a little bit for you here of late? Um, I think maybe a little bit they've changed. Obviously, like you said, everyone, you know, has that end goal in mind and, you know, what kind of whatever path you take there is for, I'd say for most players, isn't just a straight line right there. Most guys don't come in and I guess, I guess light it up in the A right away and then go straight to the NHL or go straight to the NHL. So, you know, there were some growing pains, I'll be honest, especially this last year. And then being hurt at the start of the season this year, there were some some ups and downs early on. And I was having a little bit of a, a tough time finding my way and kind of coming back from an injury, getting over the mental hurdle of, of being injured. Obviously, anyone that has been hurt when you first start coming back, it's, it's in the back of your mind. Oh, I hope I don't hurt this again. Um, so I think kind of once I started to heal up a little bit, I was able to kind of relax, play my game and and I guess kind of by default, we've had some guys, like I said, get hurt and um, kind of opened up the door for, for myself to, to kind of show what I can do. And I guess show a little bit more of the, the offensive side of my game that I guess was lacking a little bit, maybe at the start of last year, whether it was confidence or still getting used to speed or strength. I think that uh, that part of my game is kind of coming along. Like, like I knew it kind of had to be, if I wanted to be successful at this level. So definitely happy with how things have, have been going recently. So a little different. So also because you're a college player that went four years to college, you were 22 years old when you signed your NHL contract or your entry-level deal with the Buffalo Sabres, it was only a two-year deal. Most entry-level deals are three-year deals. And even sometimes there's a year or two that slides because maybe you signed it, you're still in juniors or whatnot. You're, you had a two-year deal. This is the last year of your entry-level deal. You're a restricted free agent at the end of the season. Does that weigh, and I don't want mean to add pressure. I think you're doing unbelievable this year and you're doing great. And But does that weigh on you a little bit, knowing that you don't have that third season, but you could hit your next contract and get running again? Like, how is the dynamic with that? Um, I think it's kind of at the beginning of the offseason when I was training and stuff, I wasn't really focused on that. I was, you know, just confident that I was going to have a good season and things were going to work out well. But, you know, once I got hurt and didn't start off as strong as I wanted it, I will be honest, it did creep into my mind a little bit. Yeah. Like, you know, maybe, you know, maybe, maybe things might not work out here. Like I, I had planned it to, but, you know, kind of put that on the back burner think, you know, why, why am I thinking that that's not going to help, you know, no one feel sorry for you or anything. So uh, I, I definitely think when things weren't going great, start of the year crept into my mind a little bit, but, you know, put that away. And, and it's definitely not something I'm thinking about at all recently or, or now. Uh, how was life on the taxi squad heading West? <laughs> Oh, it was nice. Uh, <laughs> a day off in, in Vegas. So I definitely say there, there's worse cities to, to have to travel to. That's that's for sure. <laughs> what was it like for the whole group? I mean, how much did you try to enjoy the moment? Oh, I definitely enjoyed it a lot. It was it's been pretty nice. Obviously, Buffalo's got a lot of guys from Rochester up there. We had a pretty big taxi squad go over. I think there were seven of us. So a lot of familiar faces. It wasn't, you know, like I was going to a team where I'd never, you know, really met the guys. So you know, it was, it was a lot of fun and, and being around a lot of, a lot of teammates from here was made it better. 
How was your first way up the charter? I mean, you come into the charter, were you nervous to find a seat? Did you ask around like, hey, is anybody sitting there? Like, how did that work out? Or even going for food or uh, did you let the veterans go first and then you went in, picked up the scraps? How, how was your first experience in that way? Uh, yeah, on the charter, obviously. You don't really know because you're, you're one of the other guys who sit at the front of the bus or first on the plane and just kind of stand there awkwardly on the plane. Like, do I sit here or is this seat taken? <laughs> I know for meals, obviously, I'm going to just go last. I'm not going to even consider going up and getting food before some of the older guys. So, yeah, well, wasn't wasn't too, too bad. Did they try to suck you into the card game and try to, like, take your paycheck from you? Uh, and uh, Because that's what we used to do. We'd see a guy come up from Rochester, be like, here's a sucker coming on the plane. We're going to take him to the card game and uh, I'll gang up on, on that poor kid. Just It's just a little, like friendly veteran leadership that we would come through but anybody try to get you in a card game or anything like that uh, not on the plane but before the game and i was up the first time uh, against the islanders we had about three hours to kill before the game at the rink so played some some cards there and lost a little bit of money so i'm sure were, it is know, not a tax write-off you you may talk to your accountant you cannot yeah. write it off so know we'll that see. we'll see about that <laughs> Hey, Brandon, uh, any famous, any, any names from your junior days and or college days that, uh, that have carved out a, a good path already and are, you know, guys that you admire for their successes already? That's uh, pretty lucky growing up, played with, played with and against a lot of guys who are playing well. Probably the, the best person from my age group that I played against growing up and played a little bit with, with the Team Canada West is Kale McCarr. Obviously, he's done all right. Uh, growing up, I played spring hockey for probably seven, eight years with Tyson Jost. He was one of my best friends, if not my best friend when I was, when I was growing up. So he's done pretty well. I uh, played minor hockey with Sam Steele. Um, he's playing with the ducks. You know, he's unreal player growing up too. So, uh, I'm sure I'm forgetting a bunch of names, but, uh, probably those are the three guys that I was probably close. Just, I guess I wasn't super close with Makar, but yeah. he's probably the best of the bunch that, that I grew up with. So. And it, is it right that you one of your goalies was Matthew Murray, who was part of the national championship team last year? Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of goalies, too, another guy I played with Carter Hart in minor hockey, too. Oh, yeah. Completely forgot about that for a second. So he has, <laughs> he's done all right for himself, too, I guess you could say. Nice. Yeah, he's, he's done pretty good. Uh, when you were growing up and you had all these guys around you, I mean, McCarr went to college. He probably could have played in the WHL and been a stud out there as well. You went to college. Was the conversation like between those type of you know, your friends or whatnot, like, where are you going to do? Uh, I think I'm going to college. Why? Well, I think I'm going to the dub or whatnot. Like, was there a lot of those conversations going around? Um, I wouldn't say I talked to my friends about that, really, just because... Yeah they were kind of all set on, on the WHL. Most of them, uh, you don't really learn, or at least it might be changing now. I'm not sure, but didn't really hear much about the NCAA growing up. It was pretty much, yeah. you know, I want to play, you know, in the WHL for the oil Kings. Cause that was the team closest to me. So yeah, didn't really talk to them, but you know, those guys I just mentioned they were most of them were first rounders in the WHL. So it was like, they were going to, you know, get drafted sign and go there right away. So didn't really have much to talk to some of those guys about. Did you get drafted in the WHL? Yeah, I was pretty late. I think the end of the 10th round, like some teams were skipping picks already. And then you know, I found my name <laughs> called look and keep refreshing, refresh, and then start seeing skips. And then <clears> people <throat> don't realize like what that means. So you're in the ninth round and they're going to go like uh, uh, 
Saskatoon, you guys are up. Um, no, we're done. We're skipping. We don't need any more picks. And then you got people that are undrafted that are waiting. They're like scrolling through social media or listening to it on TV or radio. And they're like, what about me? And then they go like, uh, you know, Brendan Weeking, you guys are up. No, we're skipping. Uh, so that, that has to feel like, man, like teams are skipping and I'm still here. Maybe, maybe more incentive to go to the college route right after, after you have that experience. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I was a later pick and I guess before I, my 16 year old year, I got a chance to maybe sign the WHL, but I decided to, to not sign. And cause I didn't think I was going to be able to play there anyway at 16. So there's really no reason to, to sign a contract. I didn't think I was going to be there anyway. So just kept my doors open with your options group. open. Absolutely. Right. And then obviously I think it worked out, you know, it was the right, the right choice for me. Yeah, for sure. Brandon, what do your parents teach? What does your brother major in and what did you major in? Um, I think my mom right now is teaching some science. She, they kind of switch every year with what they're teaching, whatever the school needs them. I think right now she's doing science and maybe some social studies. And my dad teaches, he's phys ed and math right now. And I mean, they don't teach at the same school, but they each run their own soccer programs at their own school. Oh, wow. So they, they both grew up playing soccer, played, you know, soccer at university level. So and that's my sports background. And my brother is uh, majoring in econ right now. I don't know how I didn't think he was was that smart. So he's doing all right for himself. But, uh, I did. Did uh, you play bit. soccer growing up? Yeah, did I did. You, like, I, I mean, if your parents are big into soccer, that had to be something that was encouraged. And and we know how big soccer is getting now in Canada with the men's doing what they're doing, the women's winning the gold. I mean, that was. There's a lot of great soccer going on now in Canada. Yeah. Oh, for sure. My brother and I both played up until I want to say 14 ish, maybe 15, and then just really becomes too much of a commitment. Obviously, once you start to get to that level, you really got to make your choice. I always knew for myself, it was going to be hockey, but you know, soccer's soccer's definitely, definitely growing. And, and there's some pretty good players coming out of Canada now. It's exciting to see. So are you number one on the uh, pregame soccer game? Like if you're like the Rochester Americans list, top player, is it Brendan Byro at the top and then everybody else follows yeah. suit? I mean, honestly, I, I don't actually play soccer before. You don't? That sounds, but I definitely think I would be at the top if I did. So <laughs> you got to go in and just teach them. Say, hey, I'm coming in for one game, win one game and walk out. You'll be the all time, like a thousand yeah. batting average. You'd be like the all time. Yeah, honestly, you might have to try that. <laughs> All right, Brandon, Marty cut you off before you got to tell us what you majored in. Oh, yeah. I oh, yeah. Just, just business management. Um, yeah, nothing crazy. So you're going to run a sports team someday. I can feel it. Well yeah. beyond your career, by the way. Now, last one for me, because we tend to be fascinated by or fixated on, or both, how your captain goes about playing the game. How would you describe Michael Mersh and his goal scoring exploits this year? I mean, he finds a way to get it done. I'll say that. I mean, it's, it's crazy. I've never seen someone on their knee as much as him. And I don't know how he does it. Like we've had guys try and practice. I've briefly tried it. I feel like it's just worse. Honestly, like, I don't think I could do it in a game. I'd be better off just standing there and putting it in, but I mean, he does it and it works for him. And I don't know if it works for everyone. Never seen yeah. anything like it in my life. But I don't, I don't think it's for, for me personally. 
I think it works for Sidney Crosby a little bit. He's done that, but yeah. not to the effect, not to the yeah. same level as uh, your captain. Your captain is actually trying to play goalie on the side of the crease half the time. Yeah. You know, how, how did that one not hit him in the face the other day? I think they gave the goal to Jack Quinn when he had the four goal night, but like, I think you guys all saw and saw in the replay, like he put his face in front of it and was hoping it go in the net. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Like you said, you know, Crosby or some guys will do it. Like there's, you know, situations where I think, you know, it could be effective, but if he's anywhere around the crease, he's just instantly, he's dropping to one knee, two knees, you know, ready to score, which is something I, I've never seen. But <laughs> yeah, if that, that puck, that Quinn shot didn't get deflected. Yeah, he was, he was going to eat that right in the chest. And I mean, it was still probably going to go in off his chest. <laughs> face, but yeah, just to set up like that on one knee or two is, is kind of something that's, that's different. <laughs> Uh, All right, Marty, you got any, got any last questions for, uh, for Brandon? I got a couple of this or that for Brandon and, uh, you know, it's dealing picks right now. So, um, I would ask you, what do you prefer the summer or the winter Olympics, this or that? Uh, I like the summer Olympics personally, especially yep. now the NHL is not, not at this Olympics, uh, hockey's one of the only things I probably like about the winter one. So I definitely go summer. Years ago, I did a luge, uh, this or that. So I'm going to ask you if you had your choice of either go down the, that crazy, like sliding hill, uh, either in a bobsleigh in a luge or skeleton style, this, that, or the other thing, which one would you want to do? Probably, probably a bobsled. Cause you can get a teammate in that, right? Can't you oh yeah. You have a two or a four people bobsled. Yeah. Yeah. I get three people who know what they're doing and I'll just go on for the ride. You'd just be the one pushing and sitting at the back, put your head down and hope that the thing stays on the track. Yeah, close my eyes till we get to the bottom and hope we do. Okay. Um, if you had to do like one of those big air or just for a casual Sunday ski trip, ski or snowboard, which one, or you may have done both of them. Which one do you like better? I, I haven't really skied or snowboard probably 10 years. I'd probably go okay. skiing. Alberta's got some pretty good mountains for skiing. Oh, definitely. I'm sure uh, something I'll pick up. Definitely. Um, I know you, you use white tape on your stick. Now, have you ever used black tape or do you switch? And I guess this or that stick in with the same color all the time, all year or switch, you know, weekly, monthly, whatever, you know, floats your boat, this or that. No, definitely don't switch. I use black pretty much up until maybe junior, I guess. Then I switched to white and now it's the same tape job every day. Doesn't, doesn't switch tape it, you know, every period after warmups need a fre fresh white tape. Okay. So that was my other thing. Like, do you walk in and that's the first thing you do tape your sticks. I was the kind that just, I taped them for the game and then I let them be Well, a goalie is different too, but I let them be for practice. I never touched them for practice too much uh, effort, but is it the first thing you think about when you come in the, in the building, taping your stick or going to get changed? Like what is your mindset? Go get changed, put on my, my hoodie workout stuff. And then for games, go into the stands, tape my stick. Or if it's here, just tape it right away. You know, just to feel a fresh tape, you, you just need it. So I'm always, always out there. You'll never see me go out there without a fresh tape job. Wax right. or no wax, this or that? No wax, just full coverage of the blade, tape your toe, tape the whole thing. Scissors at the end? Yeah, scissors at the end. Oh, okay. Okay. So it's heel to toe for you, right? You got the, pretty much the whole blade covered up? Yeah, yeah, heel to toe, full full coverage. Okay, well, that's good, Duffer. That's what M I got. Musical selections these days, what's popular for you? Uh, big country guy. Listen to a lot of country music. I really like everything country. I like rap. 
mm-hmm. EDM. I don't know. I'm not not super picky, but I, I probably listen to country if I'm just hanging out mostly. Um, refresh my memory. What's the big concert festival in the middle of Alberta? Uh, it's time? called BVJ, Big Valley Jamboree. Big Valley Jamboree. You been? But, no, I haven't. I don't know. I feel like for most people, it's not as much about the music, so I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> it is for duffer duffer goes for the music yeah that is very well said brandon that is so accurately said all right we have exhausted your time you have been a wonderful guest and may your success story continue we will be watching thank you so much Good. thanks guys that was really great to hear from brandon i love the sibling rivalry i oh, love yeah. how you phrased yours and i brought a little more edge out of him and <laughs> uh and we'll definitely look forward to not only tracking brandon in his career and we'll keep an eye on jordan as well at colorado yep. college marty let's get into our three stars from the past week. well i'm like a big kid so when i think of last week i think of the all-star festivities and for me it's about the skills competition not so much the game the skills competition so my three stars are going to be around the skills competition number three star i'm going to give it to jordan Cairo. i knew he was fast but to go out there and to beat Connor mcdavid and dylan larkin and get a 13.550 on his lap, that was pretty good. So Jordan Cairo, you get my third star. My second star, I'm going to give it to Sebastian Ajo, who went four for four in just over 10 seconds. Um, that was really impressive with the accuracy shooting. Darlene finished fourth. He went four for five in just four over six, 17. I think. Four for six, maybe. Anyway, he got four targets in 17 seconds, which was really, really good. He beat Dry Seidel, who went for like 30 seconds or whatnot. But the number one star, and which has to be the most difficult and and potentially embarrassing event, is the hardest shooter. Because if you go out there, and everybody's got 101, 103, 104, and then you go at it with a 97, you are being left out of there. And all four of the hardest shooters this year went above 100 miles an hour. As Victor Hedman, Timo Meyer, Tom Wilson, and um, Pellick with the New York Islanders. So those four all went over 100 miles an hour. I got to give him credit for that. It used to be where going over 100 was rare. It was Al McKinnis, Al Alfredi, and nobody else. All four of them did it this year. So they are my first star. Well, what an easy segue, because you're talking hardest shot, and you've lived being the last line and having to face those shots. And you also know that no goalie wants to really be a part of the All-Star festivities. And the ones I'm going to talk about certainly haven't had that opportunity because they've played very little. But what they have done is they have played a role in the number that is 107 at this moment, goaltenders who have played in the NHL this year. Mm -hmm. Every time we add another it furthers the record that much more. And we see no end in sight, quite frankly. We don't know what this end number is going to be in the 2021-22 season. But sometimes these goalies come and go rather quickly. Obviously, a lot shorter time in the NHL than they would like. But let's celebrate some of these guys' moments. So I went with goaltenders of the 107 who have played 10 games or less. Okay. And there's three names that really stood out with an honorable mention to Spencer Martin in Vancouver. Oh. He went one Oh and two with a nine fifty eight. but among this group, there's only two guys that have two or more wins that are unbeaten. One of them is Michael Hauser who went two and Oh, yep. and was ready to hit the road for Buffalo only to have a positive COVID test. And now he's back in Rochester. Mm-hmm. Great job by Michael Hauser in his two games with the Sabres. 
Then there is Charles Lindgren with the St. Louis Blues. Yep. Five and oh, amidst a team that was, you know, having injuries in the crease. There's still a little uncertainty moving forward. Is it going to be Huso? Is it going to be Bennington? Just tip the cap to Lindgren for his five perfect appearances. And then there's one of these guys that's going to be counted on more, and you never know just how much he will be counted on by the time this year is said and done. And that's Pavel Franzos. And he ties in with all the others because it's not been easy. Injuries, 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 missed opportunities with Colorado, one of the teams that is the best in the NHL. And, and right now he has harnessed it seven and one and proving very much to be the reliable piece that they were hoping to have with Darcy Kemper. So just a little nod to your position, Marty, and the guys that, uh, you know, they, they, they deserve to cherish the victories because they're not easy to come by at that position. I'm going to give Pavel Francouz the first star just with the setup, the gear that he had with those Colorado third uni. The uh, It looks a lot like the old Colorado Rockies logo, but he had them on boat pads. A great setup of custom Vaughn. Uh, the goalie nerds out there like I am, they want to make sure that I get it right. They're not Bowers. They're not CCM. They're not through. They're not Warriors. They're not Bryans. They're Vaughns. And they look so sharp. So we got to give credit where credit is due. And a great setup for Pavel Francis. Yeah, that is first star worthy just on the gear alone. Marty, great stuff. Great to have Brandon Byro and great to have you with us on Instigators Overtime presented by Seneca Resorts and Casino. We'll see you soon.